Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. I don't think you're sounding like somebody that's excited to be in the house of the Lord. Good morning, church. And good morning to all of you that are watching online. So this morning, hmm, where do I start? It's a big question I'm about to ask us this morning. How many of us at some point in our lives have said something really, really, really bad and we regret it? And we're like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. How many? Oh, wow. Okay, I thought I was the only one. That's fine then. I'm fine. Wow, good. So this morning, I'll be talking about tongues of fire, the spoken word, and me. Now, the tongues of fire, some of you are like, oh, tongues of fire. Okay, Pentecost. Yep, it's part of it. And also, um, it's also how you and I make use of our tongue and how our tongue can influence us or bless our lives. Anyway, before I start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning because it is all about you and it is time for you to make yourself and your word known to your church and to your people. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you will strip me of everything that I think that I know and that you will fill me with the things that you want me to say to your church, Lord. And Father, I ask for the grace to speak your word without fear or favor. I ask you, Father God, that you will prepare the heart of everyone listening this morning. That you prepare their spirit, soul, their mind, their body to, to understand what you're about to bring to your church this morning. Thank you, Father God, as you do what you always know how to do and what you know how best to do in your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, tongues of fire, the spoken word, and me. That's the topic. Now, we all know what fire is. Fire can, is a powerful thing, and fire can be used to cook, to light up a place, to also illuminate a place. Fire can bring warmth, especially in winter time. And fire can also bring life. And generally, fire is is good. But on the flip side, fire has got its own trouble. It can cause a massive disaster, a massive destruction, like wildfire and set house on fire, things like that. Now, there are means people have tried to control fire in many Yes, past, present, and the future, but I don't think people have been able to find a very um, convenient way to tame fire, to control fire. Well, we have the fire extinguisher that helps us extinguish the fire, which is fine. But sometimes, some people use the fire blanket. Sometimes you call the fire man to just come and just, you know, quench the fire with your foam, something like that. But fire in this context I'd like to describe today is about your tongue as a fire. 
uh, as a weapon of mass destruction, if that makes sense, or a weapon of blessing and greatness. Now, the book of Psalm 109, verse 2 says that the, that the tongue can be, um, can be said to have moral values. Now, explaining the tongue, it's, uh, I know some, most of you must have studied biology in school at some point where they tell you about the tongue and how important the tongue is. It helps you with, with food, with eating, helps to masticate the food, something like that. And it's also uh, a very important organ of the body. But also on the other side, on the flip side again, the tongue can be very, very destructive. The tongue can just destroy you or heal you. So if we go to the scripture, um, I'll first of all read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Just looking at you all, you're all sitting, right? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, carrying on. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, that's a descriptive um, interpretation of, of a tongue. That was the way they could interpret or rather explain the Holy Spirit resting upon each and every one of them. And it goes on to say, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Patrias, Meds, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Pythia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the part of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Now, if we go to um, the book of James, chapter, um, chapter 3, I, I start reading from 1. It says, um, this is um, the message version, which is very interesting. It says, don't be in any rush to become a teacher. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friend. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standard. And none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouth. 
Is that true or false? Is that a yes? Thank you. Where was that? Okay. Um, if you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. We're all getting there. So, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hand of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest wind. A word of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set up a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. So you don't have control of your tongue. Neither do I have control of my tongue. That part really struck me, though, because it says, but you cannot tame a tongue. It's never been done. It's in the Bible. I didn't say that. You can't control your tongue. I can control my tongue. But the only way our tongues can be controlled is when we soak ourselves in the word of God and it takes control of the word. And we speak the word instead of speaking our own word. And he goes on to say that, uh, where am I? This is scary. You cannot tame the, um, you cannot, you can tame a tiger, but you cannot tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild. A rotten killer. With our tongues, we bless God. We bless our God. And with the same tongue, we curse every, every man and woman he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friend, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next day. Apple trees don't bear strawberries today. No. Strawberry bushes don't bear apples today. No. You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup. of clear, cool water are you? This morning, I just want us to understand that no man can tame the tongue according to James chapter 3 verse 1 to 8. So you do not have the ability or the skill to actually control your tongue except the Holy Spirit gives you the grace. Now, there are two interpretations here. There are two scenarios here. The first scenario is where the disciples had 
the anointing, the Holy Spirit come upon them and they started speaking in a different tongue. And whilst they were speaking, people heard all that they said. Now, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it took control of their tongue, of what they spoke. And everyone around there sort of had their own language. And imagine the disciples at the time, when they were gathered together, they're saying to themselves, or maybe let, let's say the speech coming out of them were things like, oh, this useless people, this God-forsaken people, this nonsense people. I don't think the people around there at the time would have appreciated the words that were spoken. But because these people were influenced, their speech and their talk and their tongue were influenced by the Holy Spirit, they found themselves saying exactly what God wanted them to say and what the people around them want, um, were meant to hear, things that would kind of edify their spirit, edify their soul, and edify their body. We find ourselves, you know, saying certain words that have, you know, caused so much harm and damage to, to people, to someone. And we just spit this word out without caring how the person that sat next to us feels about it. Or the person we have said these words to failed. All we just say is that, well, it's, it, it, it's come out as a result of the spur of the moment. But that is not what God has called us to do. He hasn't called us to cross people and cause people pain. He's called us to encourage people as much as we can. As a church, as a member of this church, how are you seen outside of this environment? How do you act outside of this environment? When you walk into that place of work, do people look at you and say, oh, he's here now. Oh, she's here now. The place will be fine. Or do you just walk through that door and say, oh, gosh, for goodness sake, the same person is here again. It is very painful when you hear things like that, especially if, you and I are Christians and we walk into a space and, and all we give out are bad vibes. You don't think that the people around you would want to one day be so eager to want to know this God that, you cre that created you, this God that you so boast about in the environment where you are. I'll give you an example. In my place of work, I can boast of this because it is something God has given me grace to do. When, I, when it's my turn to make the tea and coffee, everybody loves my tea and coffee. I don't know why, but I'll tell you why. The reason why my tea and coffee is very special is because when I make this tea and coffee, I pray over the tea and coffee. And I just say to God, this is the body of Christ poured out for these people because I know they're not believers. There are different ways God can use you or me to bless somebody. And I pray over this tea, and even I say to God, those that are, are poorly, just heal them. Those that need to know you, reveal yourself to them in different ways. And, you know, they drink this tea, they're like, oh, we feel so great having this tea. The reason why I'm able to pride in this is because it is the grace of God that has given me the ability to do it. It wasn't by my own power. I didn't come up with that idea. But I speak to those dreams, and they drink it, and they get healed. And they get, they get this fulfillment in them. They get this peace in their heart. 
book of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of man, of men, sorry, or of angels, and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, there is one thing for us to just say, oh, I love you. I say to people that the most two difficult things that man struggles to do is to love and forgive. And these are the two things that Jesus Christ came to show us on the cross, that I am able to forgive. As a man, he came as a man and showed us that as a man, it is possible to actually forgive and also to love. This was done on the cross of Calvary. So if Christ did it, then why can't we do it? Why do we think that, or why do we profess and say to ourselves that, oh, I can't do this, I can't forgive, I will never forgive, or I will never love that person? Because that does not show that you or me or you and I are Christians or, or, or try to um, practice what Christ has taught us. It is one thing to, for us to say, to profess, to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, we sing the song, I'm no longer um, I'm a slave to X, Y, Z, but I am free. Yes, it's normal. But the thing is, how is your profession, how you, prof how you profess the word, how does it kind of influence you? How does it change you? How does it transform you? You go to a GP surgery and the doctor says, oh, we need to give you X, Y, Z because you have this right now. And you come out of there with a sober facial expression saying to yourself, oh, I have this now. Oh, okay. Oh, that means this is, this is, this is me for life. No, but that's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says. The, the doctor says to you, you're, you're going to be bedridden all your life. That's not what the Bible says about you. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, it says that, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. I didn't say those words. It's there in the scripture. So our tongue can, can accept things and profess that thing. You can actually come out of that surgery and say to yourself, oh, well, um, yeah, okay, they have that disease now. That is it. And you keep saying it. The words we say are all seeds. The tongue is the most powerful member of the body. There is great power in the word that we speak and how we interpret the words that we speak. We really eat our words. We really do eat our words as Christians, as children of the Most High God. So we need to choose them wisely. The best we can do is to say things the way God speaks. This, is the only, this can only be achieved by us diligently studying the word so that it's, it, it renews our mind and it gives us a heart like his. Now I have a three pointer here. My first point is that the tongue as a, as a weapon. Words that burst out can bring deep wounds. Words that are spoken in anger. My wife sometimes say to me, it is not how you say the word. No, how does she say it now? It is not the way you say it. It is how you say it, how it comes across. I, I've learned a lot 
married to my wife. She's a very intelligent and smart woman. Sometimes I can't beat her to her game. <laughs> Sometimes I try, but hey. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I admire the way God uses her to kind of correct me, which is good. So yeah, the tongue <laughs> as a weapon. You know when that situation where, well, she's not here. I'm not just say anyway. <laughs> you know, you know that situation where you get your other half really wound up, and they just get to that breaking point, and you just start spitting out words, man. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> and um, you just realize at that point, oh, I've done a boo boo here. <laughs> yeah it happens everywhere it can happen with your children and they just do something and you're like you're about to spit out fire and brimstone on them and you're like dear lord just help me here and sometimes we unconsciously just spit out those words and we're like at the end of the day the holy spirit just comes here like you shouldn't have said those words uh, your face your head just drops and you're like, just have that guilty feeling in you as in oh gosh I've done it again but you know we still have a forgiving God who knows that we make mistakes and, we've, and we have our different flaws and, 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 and shortcomings but our tongue is very powerful is a massive weapon it, it has caused war it has divided communities it has destroyed marriages, relationships. It has destroyed homes, places of work. It has caused division, even in church. That is how powerful the tongue is. Oh, Mr. Uh, Brother X did that, Sister X did that. Oh, why did they do that? They shouldn't be doing that in church. Instead of us going to God to say, look, this is what this person has done, but hmm, how do I help this person? How do I support this person? I'm, I, I'm very encouraged by, by Tom and the way he does things. You know, he, um, permit me to say this. He, um, he meets people and I admire his ministry, if that makes sense. He's got this ministry where he is open to, to people and he's ready to sacrifice anything and everything just to just to make you happy, if that makes sense. He, he has this gift of, of dropping everything to help you or to care for you or to, do, or to, um, or to help lift you up. It's, it's a ministry I really admire from him. It's, it's, it's an amazing ministry. Well done, keep it up. Are there words you shouldn't have said recently? If so, are there words you've said recently that you regret? Are there words you have made mention to somebody and, oh gosh. I said this the other day uh, that sometimes when my boys just decide to, three of them just decide to wind me up and I, and I want to lash out a lot, I'll just say, what's the word? Who remembers? Nobody, nobody, nobody remembers the word that I always say to them. I always say to them, the Lord bless you. 
it, it is difficult to say, to be honest. It is really difficult because they have just pushed you to the wall and you are really boiling and you're just holding back because you know that as a child of God, whatever you say to that child at that point is gone. You can't take it back. It's gone. So we need to be careful when we get so angry and we're about to say certain words. Like my wife would say to me, just breathe. And sometimes I can't even breathe. I just want to spit it out. So the book of um, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Now that's what the word of God does. That is when you speak the word. The word of God helps you helps correct what you say and when you say. The Holy Spirit is there to actually guide us every time. The things that we find ourselves doing is one, blaming God when tempted to do wrong. Oh, God, it's your fault. If you were, if you, if you didn't, if this, if you didn't put this there, then I wouldn't have touched it. Just like a little child who finds chocolate somewhere and wants to go pick the chocolate, and the child is like, and, and the voice says to the child. Don't touch it. And the child like, but I want it. Don't touch it. But I want it. Don't touch it. At that point, the voice just gives up. Like, do you know what? Just go ahead and do it. We blame God. I have I have this friend that always blames um, the parents because she was born late. So she, she she everywhere she goes to, she goes late. So she says it's her parents' fault that she give they give birth to her late. That's why she's always late to every occasion and everything. I'm like, wow. How does that work? How? How? Then we blame God. <laughs> but according to James chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says, God never tempts us to sin. God will never tempt you to sin. So why blame God? You blame yourself for falling into that situation. You know, the other point is speaking hypocritically. That's also in James chapter 1, verse 20. It is easy to do this. And what a terrible statement about this. We just enjoy to acquire this attribute of being hypocritical. Oh, we come to church, we lift up our hands and we worship and we're out the door, we put on, we put back on the clothes of um, the clothes of anger, bitterness, and rage and unforgiveness. And we go out there and we slander people with our tongues. And we just say unkind things to people. Expressing discrimination between rich and poor fellow believers. Well, I'm not sure how I'm going to explain that now for us to really understand. Oh, that person has that. Why does that person think that they're better than them? Is it because... They, they have that lovely shoe? Is it because their hair is always very clean, very lovely looking? Or is it because um, they are taller than me? Or 
Is it because they live in a big house and I live in a small house? That's, that's really irrelevant compared to our salvation. And the other one says, speaking unsympathetically to those in need. We find ourselves sometimes not being kind. There was a story in the Bible where um, someone came to um, someone's house and knocked on the door and like, please, I have a guest that have just come. Can I please borrow some bread and some, um, some oil? And the owner of the house said, oh no, I don't have anything. My children are asleep and I'm asleep right now and I'm sorry, I can't help. Is it, do we find ourselves in that situation instead of being helpful? Instead of being, um, instead of speaking sympathetically to, to those in need, encouraging and help when you can, support when you can. It does not necessarily mean supporting financially. You can actually support the person with prayers and with the words of your mouth. Boasting and flattering tells causing a destructive fire, which is in, which we found in James chapter 3 verse 5. Just one word can cause a family upset or division in a church. I did say that in the beginning. Grumbling against each other, which is also in James chapter 4 verse 12. Each of us will have to answer for ourselves to God. So stop criticizing one another. Stop complaining about that person. Instead, spend time praying for the person. Now, there is something God has taught me over the years, which I did struggle in the beginning. And this is taking time to really pray for those who really dislike and hate me. Now, that is very difficult to pray. But he brought me to a place where he humbled me to say, look, this is what I want you to do. There are things that God will want you to do that it's not convenient for you, but that is just God telling you, this is what I want you to do. It might not suit your, your agenda, it might not suit your routine, but that is exactly what he wants you to do. And when you pick up that mantle and do what he's asked you to do, you will notice that those people, or whoever it is, or whatever it is that hates you, when you see these people, you will, all that will be going through your mind is love. You will never picture hatred anymore. All you will picture is love. Like I said, it's a very difficult position to be. But if you find yourself there and God is giving you that, that, the grace to do that, then just do it because you'll be living in, you'll be like walking in clouds. Seriously, you feel so light. Swearing or blaspheming? Oh, okay. Many non-Christians are careless with their words, even taking the Lord's name in vain. How careful we must be as believers. This, was, this is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. We don't blaspheme against God. People blaspheme against God. It's interesting how... Um, I remember where I was the other day and somebody was just um, using the name of the Lord as, as a swear word and I, I had to, I couldn't resist but to call the person's attention to say do you realize that that person's name you just, oh, oh, sorry I said to the person, do you really know that person you just called his name now and the person looked at me like um, what do you mean, I'm like 
that person you just called his name really loves you? Like, really? Me? No. I'm like, you? Yes. I wasn't defending God. I was just trying to draw his attention that that name he's calling, he might be ignorant of the power in the name. So I was just trying to make him understand and appreciate that that name is the name that he needs to come to love. The tongue is a weapon that can wound another person deeply. If you carry a weapon that can wound, you have to carry it with great care. Your tongue is a weapon. Your tongue can chase 10,000 of the enemies away. Your tongue can invite 10,000 enemies back. Your tongue can just set this church on fire for God. <laughs> your church and your tongue can actually burn down the church. As in, chuck everybody out of this church. Oh, did you say that? And our words travel like wildfire. Just like at the beginning when I tried to describe um, fire and tongue. Death, when, you know the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So it just says that a lot of the times people around me say certain words and I say to them, please don't say things like that because you're actually sowing a seed. And every word we say is a seed. And every seed we say goes into the ground, it germinates and it bears fruit. And the fruit is what we reap as Christians. And that's not where we want to be. Tongue as a gift, my second point. I'm not sure how I'm doing with time. The tongue as a gift. The gift of tongue was a divinely bestowed supernatural ability to speak in the human language that had not been learned by the one speaking. According to the Apostle Paul, when believers exercise the gift of tongues in church, I'll repeat that again. When believers exercise the gift of tongues in church, they speak in one, they speak as one that is edifying the church. As in you speaking in tongues does help to build the church. It builds you and it also builds the church. I remember when growing up as a young Christian, um, I was in this, um, my friends and I, we set up um, a Christian group in secondary school and we Every Friday, we, we, we gather together to have um, a fellowship. And when we first started, it was the four of us that started the, um, the fellowship. So we carried on. We will just pray till we get tired of prayer. We drenched in sweat and all that. And we'll go home. Then one Friday, we, we carried on. And, and by the time we opened our eyes, the, the classroom was filled with people. How that happened, we don't know. But because we were sowing the seed of prayer and speaking those words. The Bible says speaking those words that be not as though they are. There are words we speak that go into the future to bring the things in the future to the present. And there are words we speak that take the things of the future and sends it back further into the future so that it doesn't come to us. The song is a gift that God has given to us. Let us use it to bless people. Let us use it to bless the church. 
let's use it to, to grow the church. Let's use it to encourage that brother, that sister that sat next to you. Let's not use it to destroy the person who is sat next to you. Let us use the tongue to pull people to the church and not drive people from the church. And this also goes down to um, interpretation of tongues. Along with the gift of speaking in tongues is another spiritual gift mentioned in 1 Corinthians um, chapter First Corinthians 12 verse 10. The gift of interpretation, interpreting tongues, the gift of interpreting tongues is the ability to translate a foreign language into the language of the hearer. Now, I do know that one of the gifts that God has given to us is the gift of speaking in tongues. And we also have people who God has given the ability to interpret the tongue. So the gift of speaking in tongue comes when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you will find yourself speaking in tongues. I remember when I started speaking in tongues, I felt very, I felt, mm, what's that? I went for this program and I think there was a secondary school at the time. So I went for this program. And they said, if you want to speak in tongues, just come to the front. And I was a bit hesitant. But I still went to the front. I still walked up to the front, front reluctantly. And the man of God just said, lift up your hands and just focus on the Holy Spirit. And I just did that. And I just found myself on the floor, just speaking something that I had no understanding of. And he just kept saying, look, just speak it. Do not hold back. And since then, it has evolved. How it evolved is a mystery that I don't understand. And I don't think you understand either. But there is power in speaking in tongues. A preacher said that speaking in tongues just sends the enemy far from you, sends confusion into the camp of the enemy when you speak in tongues. Because that is a language the enemy does not understand. He understands your prayer, but when you speak in tongues, it sends confusion into the midst of the enemy. So just understand the power of speaking in tongues. And not just the power of speaking in tongues, but the power of positive speaking. It says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 30, it says, Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in an unknown tongue? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Everybody has a gift. But those gifts cannot manifest if we don't profess this gift. We don't ask God for the ability to express those gifts. The gift of tongue is meant to be a blessing to us as a Christian, as Christians. My fourth point says the tongue as a blessing. The tongue, number one, is used to praise God as in James chapter 3 verse 9. Says we use our tongue to praise our heavenly Father. We should be doing this every day. That's using our tongue to praise God. Because the book of James says we cannot use the same tongue we used to come to church to worship God. We lift up our hands in worship. 
and we'll go back and we'll just put somebody on the, on the chopboard and chop the person into bits and pieces. No, that's not how God works. Our tongue is meant to bless people and lift people up. Our tongue, we used to pray to God. Our tongue is for wisdom, to speak wise words. This is according to James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. We speak wisdom, but you can't speak wisdom except you ask God for wisdom. The Bible says, who is, um, who is lacking wisdom? They should go to God who gives the wisdom to you freely. He gives it freely, but we need to ask. If we don't ask, then we don't get. I say that to my voice. So our tongue is to help those who are in trouble, to encourage people, to support people, to lift people up. Our tongue is for healing. There are words you say to somebody that will just bring such calmness and coolness into the heart of someone. And those, that's where God wants us to be, where we say things that will lift somebody up, somebody that is so down, down, down in the pit. You say the word, and the person just comes up. It says the word is, is to ask for large requests. The book of Psalms says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, like again, we need to ask. We don't need, to, we can't limit God because God is limitless. He's got a, a storeroom full of every single thing we need. But if you don't ask God for it, you won't get it. If you need to be healed and you don't speak healing over yourself, you won't get the healing. If you need deliverance and you don't speak it over yourself, you won't get it. It's just like a child coming to the parents and thinking that the parents know that, oh, you need, you need to eat. At least the parents, the child comes and like, I'm hungry, daddy, or I'm hungry, mommy. Or I'm hungry, auntie, and I'm hungry, uncle. It helps us restore the backsliders to Christ. You see a brother that has fallen in faith. Instead of speaking words that will completely destroy that person, you go to that brother or you pray for the person and ask God to restore that person back to faith. To witness the Lord, this is not actually, um, this was not actually mentioned in the book of James, but it is very important. The one thing I know God said to us in the Bible is, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, oh, I'm a father, I can't do that. I'm a mother, I can't do that. I'm too young, I can't do that. I'm too short, I can't do that. I'm too tall, I can't do that. No. What he said is an instruction, go into the world and preach the gospel. We can't shy away from it. It is what he's asked us to do. And he has given us the power in our tongues to speak his word to people that need to hear his word. But when we don't speak those words, then somebody just somebody else would do it. He said, if you can't worship me, I will cause the rocks to cry out. With the tongues, we praise our Lord and Father. 
and we did with cross humans. And if you remember, in the book of Genesis, God spoke the word. Like the song, which was the last song before I came to preach. He talked about speaking the word. If you don't train your tongue to speak the word of God, the enemy will train your tongue to speak evil. Don't forget the power of life and death is in the tongue. And remember when the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 20, it says when God says, let us make man. He spoke the word. And there is power in the spoken word. And that word cannot come to be if we don't exercise or practice or learn the word of God. That's what we need for every day. So, in my little conclusion, I will say, we have seen that our tongues can be used in many bad ways. That's me talking like a head teacher. Anyway. And in a number of good ways. The Bible says, I've said before you life and death. We choose life. And it's interesting how God put it there. He said, I've said before you life and death. But do you know what he said again? He said, choose life. That he had given us the option. Do you know what? Just choose life so that you will live. But do you know what we do? We live the life and we choose death. And we choose the wrong way. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto a man. A way that everybody looks at and like, oh man, that's the right way. I'll go that way. And the Bible says that way leads to destruction. And it also says that there is a way, a very narrow way. The end of that road is eternal life. But you know what? We love to go the big way. You know, let's, let's just go that way. That, that's the right way. And God is calling us to go that way because that's the way we need to go. So he says, only by the Holy Spirit, sorry, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to take control of your tongue? I do, sometimes. And I remember, that's a confession. <laughs> I don't know if you do. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the question, do you, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to take control of your tongue? Is that yes or no? Oh, that's me then, that's fine. Okay. So that's what I'm, we're going to pray this morning. And don't forget that the topic says the tongue of fire, the spoken word and me. What have you spoken? What did you say? How does it influence your life? How does it bless your life? How does it bless the people around you? How does it destroy the people around you? How does this word turn your life around? The tongue is an instrument of taste. You can actually speak the word. You can tame, like the book of James said, that you put a bridle in the mouth of a horse. That is control, self-control. Your tongue needs self-control. And your tongue should speak as the salt of the earth. You should speak salt, words that are, uh, can bring, can season the life of someone. The tongue is an instrument of speech. 
I'd like to encourage us this morning. I'm not sure what comes out of your mouth when you're speaking. I'm not sure what comes out of your mouth when you don't speak it. But the most important thing is, you and I need to ask the Holy Spirit to help tame our tongue. So that when we speak with these tongues of fire that God has given to us, we speak words that will edify the church and that will build us up as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. As a church, Lord, we, we confess the sins of what we have said that we shouldn't have said and the way we've said it. We confess to you, Lord, every word that we have said or spoken that has destroyed or killed or, or, or done things wrong to people around us, to our friends and our loved ones. Father, this morning, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you, God Almighty, will show us mercy and forgive us our sins, Lord. We come to you, Lord, asking you, Father, that your Holy Spirit will help tame our tongues and what we speak and how we speak them and that we will devote ourselves more to studying your word so that when we speak that will be word that will edify the church and the world that will build us up Lord Father we just thank you for that grace as we walk by faith and not by sight we receive your anointing Lord for as many that are believing you, Lord, for the ability to speak in an unknown tongue, Father, we ask that you release your spirit upon them, Lord, and that you will give them the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And Father God, we just ask that you will season us, O oh God, as a church, and you will build us up, Lord, so that we'll be able to build each other up. Thank you, Father God, for blessing us as a church. And we pray that this word, Lord, We'll bless your church as you've heard this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.